This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, my amigo, my compadre, Mike Luciano. Mike, how you doing, man? What's going on? Well, I'm feeling bueno to continue the Spanish uh, flavor that we started the show with. I'm feeling pretty good, even though the Jets lost to the Browns in the Hall of Fame game. In totality, looking pretty good for a Jets fan, especially now that we're all TV stars. I'm not going to lie. I looked up uh, right as the, we were loading up the show. I looked up synonyms for friend and I was like, I got to change it up this time. What am I going to say this time? And like some of these are weird, man. There's like soulmate, playmate. Like okay, I'm not yeah, soulmate. Uh, at least take me to dinner first, Justin. The, dude, the third one is bosom friend. I don't know what that is, but I'm not going to call you that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. A bosom friend is probably skipping a few steps. <laughs> I, I really I really considered saying it too. Anyway, though, we got a great show planned for you guys today. We're talking everything Hard Knocks. Of course, Hard Knocks made its season premiere last night, so we're going to talk all about that. We're talking about some potential Ezekiel Elliott rumors. Maybe the Jets are interested in Zeke. Maybe that's a good thing. It's probably not. Uh, we're talking stock up, stock down. Just taking an overall stock report of the Jets this summer. Which guys are trending up? Which guys are trending down? And then finally, we're talking preview of everything Jets-Panthers. We're talking about the joint practices today and this week followed by the preseason game later this weekend. But first, Mike, you got something to tell us. Yes, from our friends over at DraftKings. So Jet Pretz listeners, I got a little bit of a question for you. Have you signed up for DraftKings yet? Because if you're a new user, you could receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Just make an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sport. Doesn't matter if your first wager even wins or loses. You could still receive the 150 in bonus bets all you got to do is use the code FSBETS, that is F-S-B-E-T-S, when you sign up. When you use that code, not only do you get the bonus, but it supports the podcast. So thank you if that's how you choose to support the podcast. So if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer and with that you could find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever it may be that you get your podcast we are on all of those sites we are on youtube at the jet press we are on tiktok at the jet press really just pumping out the content for you guys as the regular season starts to come just creep ever so closer but before that we got some preseason stuff to get rid of and we got some tv stuff to discuss because the jets were on hard knocks 
last night. That was episode one, and it kind of hit all my expectations of what I thought Hard Knocks would be with the Jets. Uh, that didn't really seem to be, you know kind of float anybody's boat in terms of stirring things up. Like it didn't really seem to cause a ton of controversy, which is what I was happy about because that was always my concern with Hard Knocks was they're going to try to needle things and distort reality, which I wouldn't have been a fan of. Seemed pretty standard, a lot of Aaron Rodgers stuff and a lot of Sauce Gardner stuff, so it seems like that's going to be the focus primarily for large chunks of the show, and I'd be pretty happy if that's the route they went. I just hope they stick with it. Uh, I do think it's funny. I don't know how how real it is or not because I've said in the past that Aaron Rodgers is pretty good at pandering. Like when he first came to New York and it's like, oh, I love New York things and New York this, and I'm going to New York shows. I always thought that that was kind of a little bit of a funny thing about Aaron Rodgers, but boy, does he just seem revitalized. I mean, the the last couple of years in Green Bay, you could just cut the tension with a knife. I mean, you could feel it. There was some awkwardness there between, I don't know if it was him or Brian Gutekunst or Mark Murphy or the, the, the weird shadow council of owners that they have, that big conglomerate. I don't know what it was, but he just didn't seem like himself. It seemed like he was playing almost out of spite in Green Bay. And here, I don't know how real it is, but if I'm just judging off what I see on TV, he looks energized, he is motivated, he's laughing, having a good time, he's joking around with everybody. And it's good to finally see that out of the Jets quarterback because it felt like with all the development time and all the other controversies surrounding the Jets, everybody was on pins and needles all the time. They could never really just let go and just breathe. So it feels like there's a whole relaxed new atmosphere around the Jets, and I think Rodgers is kind of perpetrating that. It really perpetuating does. that. Excuse my my diction mess up. I, I wasn't going to correct you. I wasn't. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. That's easily my biggest takeaway as well. And of course, it's all curated TV, so we're not seeing everything. But man, does Aaron Rodgers looks like he's glowing out there, dude? Like he is so. Like, I feel like he's a completely different person than he, he was in his last year or a few years in Green Bay. He looks energy, like re-energized. He looks reinvigorated. The dude is just glowing. And, and you said it you said it as well. It's rubbing off on everyone around him as well. That entire organization, there's a new optimism. There's a new life, a new energy inside the walls of, at Florham Park at One Jets Drive. And I think, if anything, this, this Hard Knocks episode, it didn't really do any deep dives, but it captured that new energy that there is about the Jets. And I know every year we seem to talk about that and i know every year there's that you know the optimism like oh this is a new year it really really does feel different this time and and i i think putting all jets bias aside right aaron Rodgers looks like a completely different human being than he was in green bay like just a completely different person I, i think it's hard to deny that at this point obviously we haven't started the season yet anything can happen we have a long way to go until january until hopefully the playoffs arrive for the jets but right now I think it's impossible not to be optimistic as a Jets fan after what we just saw. I'd love to see the future episodes because we got four more after this. I'd love to see future episodes do some deep dives on guys like Michael Clemens. I'd love to see someone like Ron Middleton featured a more uh, featured a bit more. We really didn't get any of those low key guys. I mean, Chaz Surratt was talked about for a little bit, but it was mostly Aaron Rodgers. It was Sauce Gardner, a little bit Garrett Wilson, plenty of Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, which that was to be expected. It's the first episode. I would say that Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback that that Hard Knocks has ever had on their show. So they were going to, you know, feature him quite a bit, and they did. Uh, I think that in the future episodes we might see more of those deep dives on the the lesser known guys. The, the which you know that's really what makes Hard Knocks special to me is those those player profiles of the guys who 
they don't get the media attention all the time. Um, and I, I'd love to, I think Michael Clemens is someone that every Jets fan is waiting to be featured. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be some surprises in there. Maybe an undrafted guy that no one's talking about or, you know, a bottom of the roster player. Uh, but just gen- genuinely, I think it was a good episode. I thought it was very good. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I just think that energy wise, it's just so different this year. And Aaron Rodgers is the biggest reason for that. Well, I think that Rogers was definitely the main character of episode one. I think we may get more Robert Sala in episodes two or three. I think he might be the the co-main character, the co-protagonist here. And I'm interested to kind of see what Robert Sala is like because he's always had kind of a, not weird in a bad way, but when you look at his style of play and his ethos and the fact that he's this big, muscular, ripped guy with seven kids and a shaved head who's screaming at like, like he looks like a like look. Like he's trying to like eat you. Like he's this big, angry guy, almost like a boxer, big, tough guy, square jaw. And then you hear at press conferences, and it's like he he read the 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 say this in New York playbook for mm-hmm. media. I think he read that too much. Well, you know, we believe this and this and this young man and this young man. He calls everybody young men. I've noticed too. This young man, this young man did that. Like I, I want to see him kind of cut loose a little bit here. I think that because I think he's definitely got the personality for it. Because there's no way that you can just be that volatile and that ballistic, and not and just be a complete wet rag otherwise. So maybe we see more Robert Sala. I think in the episodes uh, two and three, you definitely said Ron Middleton. I think he'd be really good, especially because, as you mention all the time, with there's players like undrafted guys that end up becoming kind of fan favorites. There's always assistant coaches that stand out and. Sometimes infamously, like, what was that guy? I think he was on the Browns. He was, like, the big fat coach. Oh, uh, Wiley was Bob Wiley, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, that was a little more infamous because he just didn't believe in stretching because the guys in World War II didn't stretch, which doesn't make any sense at all. But that is a past season. Now that they've recast everybody for the Jets, I think they have a pretty good formula formula for good TV here. Even if Aaron Rodgers wasn't here, I feel like there's enough to kind of get five good episodes out of a show. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it is solid letting the coach, the, the assistant coaches do that because I, I think we're going to see a lot in Nathaniel Hackett and a lot of Jeff Ulbrich too. Oh, I, hope little, not, I hope not a lot of Hackett. That could be problematic. To, we need to start an F bomb counter for Jeff Ulbrich because I swear to God, that man said the F word in every single sentence. Every, I, he didn't go a sentence without saying it. It's crazy, man. He wasn't like a sailor oh, over there. <laughs> he really was. And Hackett, you're going to see plenty of Hackett. And I don't, Look, I, I enjoy Nathaniel Haggard as a person. He seems like a wonderful human being. And obviously his his dynamic with Aaron Rodgers is going to be talked about quite a bit. It already was talked about a little bit in the first episode. But I imagine they're going to dive in even further with that because they they genuinely love each other. And it's great to see Aaron Rodgers up there being like, yeah, man, I love this guy. You know, and that's I don't know, that's awesome when your quarterback could say that about your offensive coordinator, because I don't think Zach Wilson would have stood up there and said that I love Mike LaFleur. Like, I just don't think that was their relationship. And speaking of Zach Wilson. I mean, he looked confident. At least that's what they were they were trying to portray with the the show. He looked super confident. Like I think he has a bit of his mojo back. I think mentally he's recovered from what happened last season because that I imagine took its toll on his mental health and his just his confidence as a, as a whole. Uh, he looked very confident out there. Like I love the 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 shot of him after he throws that pass to Malik Taylor, where he's like, "Oh, that was a dime and a half, right?" Like. That's not something we would hear him say last year. He just did not have the confidence, the swagger, the cockiness to say that. So I'm really glad we got to see that little behind-the-scenes peek at Zach Wilson and kind of his his maturation as a, as a young quarterback. And, and hopefully, you know, I mean, look, if we're being realistic here, he probably doesn't have a future with the Jets. But I just want to see him hopefully salvage an NFL career, you know. And I think this is a, an important step in that process, and we're kind of seeing him, him recover. Uh, so I, I like that they featured that too. 
Well, the role I think is good, is part of what did it because there's no more franchise quarterback in the New York Jets. Like, and there's not even like a debate. It's not even like there's a two percent chance he could win a starting job. It's you are the backup. So I think because of that, he knows he's kind of playing with house money, and he's just all right. Let me go and kind of be myself. And I mean, like we we rip Zach Wilson plenty on this show. I mean, we're no stranger from that. But I mean, the kid was what twenty three years old, and yet literally everybody in New York City coming after him. I mean, that's gotta be that's gotta wear on you. So it's nice to just from a, a human being empathy standpoint to see him kind of in a better space. Uh, moving on now because we got more Jets player rumors. As if one running back wasn't enough, buckle up. Now there's another one in there. It is Ezekiel Elliott. Because Ezekiel Elliott, I'm honestly still surprised. Even though he's Ezekiel Elliott, for all this stuff we're going to say and has been said about him, I'm surprised no one's taken a chance on Ezekiel Elliott, who was released despite signing that big contract with the Cowboys after Tony Pollard kind of proved to be a little bit more electric, a younger alternative, probably better big play guy right now. And through just age and attrition and his style of play, Zeke at this point is a little bit more one cut and put my head down and grind out yards, which you could still be an effective running back playing like that. There's been a ton of running backs who've kind of reinvented themselves later in their career as sort of plow horses. I always think of uh, Otis Anderson or OJ Anderson. When he was with the Cardinals, he was this big explosive guy. And then when Bill Parcells got him on the Giants, it was, he's going this way. He's just going to barrel through guys. And they won a Super Bowl with Otis Anderson. So it can be done. Uh, Elliot has not been signed yet, although uh, three of the teams that have been linked to him. One of them is the Cowboys. I don't know how real that is. Just trying to get him back on a cheap deal. I don't know who'll do that. Uh, the New England Patriots, who love their running back depth and Belichick, especially with guys like you know, Corey Dillon and Legarrette Blunt, like and even Ramondre Stevenson to a degree. He likes a big, strong back. So I could see why Ezekiel Elliott appeals to him. And then the New York Jets were also listed as one of the three teams after Ezekiel Elliott. And I think in a vacuum, like if they want to add a running back, I feel like there could be some nice smash and dash potential with him and Brees Hall because Hall is obviously the big home run hitter. Elliott's kind of the the more experienced short yardage guy. I think he's still one of the best blockers mm-hmm. as a running back in Leah, pass protector. I think that's incredibly underrated as a skill for running backs as a whole, and I think he provides that. And I think that while he's not a capable receiver, at least last year he wasn't a capable receiver, only 17 catches for 92 yards. He had 47 at least in each of the uh, prior three years. And at his peak, he had 77 catches. So if you want him to go and catch a pass, he can. It just Kellen Moore didn't want to use him necessarily that way all the time. He wanted to use Pollard more. So in a vacuum, it makes sense. But looking at him compared to Dalvin Cook, if the Jets can only bring in one, I still think it would have to be Dalvin Cook just because I still think Cook right now has a little bit of a better uh, home run potential. And I think that's probably what the Jets are going to target if they want to add one more playmaker as a guy who can get explosives, as Robert Sala calls him. That's his terminology that he uses, explosives, plays of over 20 yards. I think that's just what Cook is better at right now. I also think, too, Cook's decline has, in my opinion, I think been greatly exaggerated. And I think Zeke's has been a little bit more obvious to the layman viewer. Only 3.8 yards a carry. Uh, didn't even get 900 yards last year on 230 carries. Still 12 touchdowns. So the guy has a nose for the end zone. He can still punch it in there. But I think if, you, if you're if you aiming for how much can I get out of this guy in the next two years, I'd rather take a guy like Cook just because I think his style of play right now would just give this offense a little bit more juice. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've been a very strong vocal critic of Dalvin Cook and saying that I don't think he really moves the needle much for the Jets. But I do think of any of the free agent running backs out there, whether it's Cook, whether it's Zeke, whether it's Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, uh, Cook is I, by a decent amount, I think, the best option. Uh, he definitely has the most left in the tank of any of those guys. I like Zeke because he's a, like you said, a, a big bruiser who I think can can provide some value in goal line situations. And he's also a good pass blocker. But that's pretty much all he he provides at that point. He is a net negative as an overall running back, in my opinion. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be anybody that's creating extra yards significantly uh, other than just, you know, kind of in those short yardage situations. He's not going to be breaking long runs. He's a fine pass catcher. He's had some drop issues in the past, but so is Dalvin Cook. Uh, but I think his only real value to the Jets would be in goal line situations and as a pass blocker. Because I don't fully trust any of the running backs on the Jets roster right now as a as an anything above average pass protector. Uh, I, I think that, that some of them have had their moments, but you know, Michael Carter is a little small for that role. He, he, he struggled with his size sometimes, and I haven't seen enough out of Zonovan Knight and Brees Hall to say anything otherwise. Uh, so I, I think he provide value there, but yeah, I mean, if they're going to add another running back, Dalvin cook does make the most sense, even though I'm over here saying, look, I don't think it really does much. I don't think it moves the needle much. I also don't think Ezekiel Elliott would move the needle much. I'm totally fine. If the jets want to sign Dalvin cook, I'm even fine if they want to sign Ezekiel Elliott. If they do, that likely means the end of either Michael Carter or Zonovan Knight. I'm going to lean and say Michael Carter would be the one traded or released. I imagine he'd be traded. Um, but I, I, you know, I just don't think it really moves the needle much. I think it's specifically with Dalvin Cook. It's amazing how much like, and honestly, it's a credit to his agency. But it's amazing how much press it's gotten. Like, because it's it's really it's a backup running back. That's that's what we're talking about. A guy who's not really going to have a significant role in the team this season, even if Brees Hall isn't fully healthy to start the season. So it's just amazing how much press it's gotten. Ultimately, if they sign Cook, fine, whatever. I do think it's an upgrade. If they sign Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think it's really much of an upgrade. But I get how he can be valuable in certain situations. Either way, I don't think it moves the needle much, but if they want to do it, sure, go for it. Laz in chat on Facebook, or Laz, I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Laz. Uh, in the Facebook chat says, we don't need either. I mean, speak for yourself, man. I mean, you confident in Michael Carter after last year? You confident in Zonovan Knight after last year? I'm certainly not. And uh, it's it's really sad to just see the state, not only of the running back market, but Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, we, we all remember Ezekiel Elliott when he came in. He just was lighting up the world when he came into the league and now it's well maybe the jets will throw him like a short one or two year deal and maybe he can be a backup almost like what jerome bettis was at the end of his career with the steelers team with deuce staley where he wasn't like prime jerome bettis anymore i'm like oh this is this is really disheartening that's what happens when you you carry the ball over 300 times three or your first year first four years in the league you know you, you just got he got ran into the ground it's unfortunate but it's what it is yeah, and then, uh, that's I guess that's how NFL manager, uh, managers, general managers are going to suppress labor now. Is we're going to run all these guys into the ground, and then every, because we do that, they're going to be physically beat up, and then we don't have to pay them anymore. We get to decide that they're physically beat up of our own doing, which is pretty evil and messed up in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still very much on the cook train unless in the next preseason games I get just a wow factor night from either a Zonovan night, maybe Israel Abanacanda who scored a touchdown in the, uh, in the hall of fame game against the Browns an impressive one too, where he used a really good burst of speed to get around the outside. I think Amazon projected him to only get maybe one yard on that play. And he ended up with 10 because he had a nice short area burst of speed, which is kind of his game. Unless I get one of that, which could still happen. I mean, we got a lot of preseason left, a lot of camp left. 
I, I'm st- I still think Cook should be a priority. Ezekiel Elliott, like, it'd be fine. I think he's still more of a brand name at this point than a running back, which I think he's probably got more left in the tank than most. Like, I think there's a lot of guys out there who think that Ezekiel Elliott is just done and doesn't deserve to play football anymore. I'm not going to say that. I still think that he could be pretty good because I think Dallas obviously had a lot of problems last year that were not him that contributed to him kind of having a down year. But, yeah, I, if Cook is on the market and they go after Zeke, I think there's going to be some questions asked. I think Zeke would honestly just be a contingency plan than anything. I think that's really what he is. I don't think they would choose him over Cook. It's If Cook signs in Miami or if he signs in New England or he's just asking for too much, I think they might then pivot to Zeke, which – fine, whatever. You know, I I really, again, I don't think any running back right now should be a priority for the Jets, any free agent running back, because I think if they're going to add anything, there should be other positions they're targeting. If I was running the roster, I'm not running the roster, unfortunately, because I'd be like, hey, we should have signed Teddy Bridgewater. You know, like I would have done something like that rather than relying on Zach Wilson as the backup. But clearly that's not realistic. Obviously, Teddy is now signed, but even still, they weren't looking at another backup quarterback. They're, They're confident in Zach Wilson as their backup quarterback. Um, but I just – I don't think any running back really should be a priority for them. I get why they're doing it. I like Zonovan Knight. I, I genuinely think he can be a pretty solid player. I liked what we saw from him last year, and I don't think a lot of the struggles of the running game after that were his fault per se. I think a lot of it was just how like legitimately historically injured the offensive line was. Uh, it was it was really bad. I know everyone talks about how bad the Jets running game got after Brees Hall got hurt. The other part of it is how bad it got after Elijah Barrett Tucker got hurt because they got hurt in the same game. And it wasn't the same after that because of Hall partially, but also because of Barrett Tucker and because you had Dwayne Brown playing the entire year with an injured shoulder. and He ended up going on IR at the end of the year. You had injuries galore in the offensive line. So I think that's part of it. And I think Donovan Knights looked pretty good this summer. I know we didn't get to see him in that preseason game, but he has outplayed Michael Carter by all accounts. He has been the best Jets running back in training camp. So that's kind of why I don't see running back as a big priority. I think that Brace will be healthy to play week one. If they don't want to give him a full workload, which is fine. You have Zonovan Knight. You can definitely use guys like Michael Carter and Izzy Abanacanda a little bit too. I don't think the Jets running back room is particularly bad, uh, even behind Brees Hall. So I just, I don't see it as a priority, even though, Dalvin Cook would be an upgrade. I just don't think it's a priority. But if they do sign him, cool. And if they sign Zeke, like I said, he can provide value in certain areas that I don't think other guys on the roster can. So I get why they would do it. It's just not a big priority for me. I want to get to two comments in chat. First from Mike Pitta, where he says, uh, now that we have a solid quarterback, you should keep defenses on their toes and they can open up our running game even more. I mean, Yes, but also, I mean, Dak Prescott was slinging it. And here, here we are with Ezekiel Elliott, and Kirk Cousins was kind of at point slinging it last year, and here we are with Dalvin Cook. So I think, I, I think it'll help. Point, I think that's a fair point, though. I think it is. I just don't think yeah. with these particular running backs, like, I don't think that that can necessarily be taken as a sign of, oh, we're going to have like a 1,500-yard rusher this year. I think it's a comment on Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight, though, because they were also victims not only of a bad offensive line, but of a stacked – like the box was stacked against them almost every time because – the Jets were trotting out Zach Wilson, the quarterback. They were trotting out, you know, Mike White, Joe Flacco, Chris Strebler. Like, I don't blame the running backs for not finding a ton of space in those situations because there wasn't a threat in the passing game. So I do think that that's a very valid point as well because mm-hmm. I think we it wouldn't be a surprise to see the Jets running game, you know, specifically Knight and Carter find a bit more success. And then the second being from Joshua Kerr, where it kind of leads into our next segment, where it says, do you expect Becton to be traded? And then going off of that, when, what teams make the most sense? Uh, what do you think he's worth? Uh, I'm going to go leave this to Justin because we were going to go talk about players that are thriving in training camp and players that are not thriving in training camp. And uh, 
Becton got off to kind of a slow start, but I'll let Justin take the reins on this because we've seen some more encouraging stuff from Becton lately, especially in joint practices uh, against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, we have. I think he's slowly, not even slowly, he's continuously been able to stack positive performances, which is very important for him. Uh, He played in that preseason game, of course. He only played seven snaps, but he played very well when he was out there. He was probably the Jets' best offensive tackle in that game. Uh, And I know, again, very small sample size, working against backups, but he played well. He just went out in in joint practices today against Carolina Panthers and had a very good day, especially in comparison to Max Mitchell and Billy Turner, who we could talk about in a little bit. I know you really wanted to talk about Max Mitchell. Uh, They have had bad summers. Like they have just, they have not looked good. I know the Jets are taking it safe and and being cautious with Mekhi Becton, especially with his knee. They don't want to rush him back out there. Uh, They don't want to, you know, give him too much of a workload at at this stage. But we're going to reach a point very soon, if we haven't already, where Mekhi Becton needs to be in the conversation to start. He he just needs to be because the other options aren't it. They're just not it. Billy Turner has been a fringe starter, uh, a, a fine spot starter for his entire career. He's a fine, I'd say he's a good backup swing tackle. He's a good play two games. If a guy gets hurt. Yeah. He's a good backup swing tackle. He can also play guard. He is an excellent sixth or seventh offensive lineman. He should not be your week one starter. Max Mitchell has shown me nothing this summer that shows that he's ready for a a week one starting job either. So the jets right now are really relying on Dwayne Brown, who has also not been healthy. The jets are still very confident. He will be ready for week one. I know Robert Sala said today, there's no question that he'll be ready for week one. So, you know, knock on wood there, but they're relying on him. Who's coming off a major shoulder injury. And they're relying on the the mixture of of Beck, uh, of uh, Turner and Mitchell at right tackle. I would absolutely love to see Mekhi Becton get a shot at, at right tackle. Right now, he's not in the mix at all. He's exclusively playing left tackle. He's basically your backup to Dwayne Brown. And I've also been saying this for a little bit now. I would not be surprised if he's traded. I just think as time goes on, it's getting harder and harder to justify it. Like, I, I, I think... When you see the performances of Mackay or of, of Max Mitchell and Billy Turner, and you see how much you're struggling at right tackle, it is very difficult to justify trading away someone who I believe is the most talented offensive tackle on the roster and not even giving him a chance at right tackle. Because I know he's complained about it in the past, but he has said publicly that he is open to playing right tackle. Is that true? I hope so, right? He's saying that publicly. So if he's saying that, the Jets should give him a chance when they feel comfortable, when he feels comfortable to do that. Hopefully that is as soon as possible because, you know, it's, it's August 9th. We're still about a, a month away from the regular season, but we, you know, we're, we're approaching a time where you want to start building offensive line chemistry. Uh, I, I do think that is a good comment there from Brian really quick uh, in chat on YouTube. He says the one year anniversary of Mackay's knee fracture was yesterday. If he wants to start week one, he can't limp off the field again this summer. Yes, he absolutely has to stay healthy. And I think that's been the biggest priority for the Jets is trying to build up the confidence in that knee for him to just play a game. Like th- right now, I don't think they're at a point where they think he can play an entire uh, entire game, which is why he's not in the starting conversation. And I get that. I do understand that. I'm really interested to see what he does this Saturday and how, and how much he plays in that game. Because if he starts playing a half or if he plays – even, I don't know if he could play three quarters, but if he could just play a half a football and slowly work his way back up, and if he's healthy by the time week one rolls around and he's playing all four quarters or, or he can play all four quarters in that last preseason game, I don't see why he can't be in the starting lineup because I'm not confident in Max Mitchell. I'm not confident in Billy Turner. And, you know, you you have a season where you're trying to win right now. You have Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. You don't really have a solid option behind him. You can't risk your quarterback getting hurt when, you know, you, you have a better starting five that you could throw out there. Uh, and I'd also know the Jets, they don't want to move Elijah Vera Tucker to right tackle, but if they're really not sold on Beckton playing there at all, 
it's going to be, it's going to have to be a conversation. Like they're, it's going to be the same thing as last year where they went into the season fully expecting to play one position. And then they're forced to do it because whether it's injuries, whether it's poor performance, you got to get your best five on the field. And I, I think that Mikai Becton is one of the five best offensive linemen on this roster. And so if he's healthy enough, if they feel confident in that knee, there's no reason why he should not be in the starting conversation. Uh, just to really quickly answer the question, if he's traded, I don't know. If you asked me a week ago, I would have probably said yes. If you ask me now, maybe still yes. Because uh, I, I think it's difficult for the, like, I don't know. If, I don't think the Jets want to carry five offensive tackles, specifically if one of them is only a backup left tackle, and that's Makai Becton, because they have Billy Turner who could play that role. They have Max Mitchell, who's, you know, he's more of a right tackle, but they've used him on both sides this summer. They just drafted Carter Warren in the fourth round. He's playing left tackle. I, I it's it's hard to justify a roster spot for the guy. If that's what they, you know, if that's how they view him. The issue just becomes when, you know, you don't really have a viable start at right tackle and he might be a better starter. I, you know, I think the Jets, it makes sense for them to trade him from their perspective. I just think it's really difficult to justify it at this stage, given what we've seen at right tackle. Anyway, that's my Mackay Beckton stuff. Mike, go on. <laughs> the best plans are very rarely laid with the fickle fingers of hope. We hope that Mackay Beckton can do this. They hope this. If this happens, if that happens, maybe if this happens, that is way too much uncertainty surrounding the whole Mackay Beckton thing. Uh, I think everybody just kind of assumed he would switch to right tackle when Dwayne Brown was coming back. But as guys like I think Panay Sewell recently is a very good example of this, like coming from where he came from at Oregon and then the rolling up with the Lions. Like I think there's more awareness now about how you can't just flip a guy to right tackle. It's two totally different movesets, totally different mindsets. And with how big muscle memory is for these guys, like it's a whole different set of things you got to learn, where to turn, how to do this, how to move this way. Completely different. Not impossible, but very difficult. Doesn't look like Makai's going to be able to do that, right? Or at least right now, they haven't really tried it out. Right, we don't know. We haven't seen him there. He hasn't. He hasn't, he hasn't even been given an opportunity yet. And obviously, look, if that's if if it's him pushing back on that idea, if it's him saying mm, I'm not comfortable yet to play right tackle, that's one thing, right? That's fine. I mean, he's got to know that that's probably not going to help his chances of starting. But I don't want him getting hurt. If he's protecting his body, then that's most important. But I just would love to see him get a chance there at some point soon. Yeah. And with the issue of a trade, too, I do think that I don't know if it's going to be like a week one thing, like he won't be on the roster, but I I find it harder to believe he will last past the trade deadline. I feel like if the Jets have some sort of need, maybe even if it's on the offensive line, they can go, let's go get a more natural right tackle, someone with less of an injury history for maybe a team that isn't doing so well. And the team that isn't doing so well can go, let's take a gamble on the upside and the potential. I could easily see that. Uh it's just, again, it's just a shame. It's kind of Ezekiel Elliott-ish where we had all this these thoughts of what he was going to be, and it seemed very obvious he was going to hit it, and now it's like, oh, he might play right tackle, maybe, and then if not, he might get traded. Like the fall, we were at Grace a long time ago. The fall from Grace has already happened, and and Grace looks very far away, and it's it's yeah. just disheartening to keep seeing this play out in real in real time. It is. I'm just, I'm happy for him for stacking together positive practices. Like that's really the most, I'm just, I'm happy for him. Uh, yeah. The issue with the trade just comes like he's a free agent at the end of the year because they declined his first year is his fifth year option. So if he's not going to be starting and he's not playing, you might as well get something for him. Like that's, that's why they would trade him uh, also to save a roster spot. If they have no plans to use him and they don't want to carry five tackles, but it really just comes down to like getting value for a guy who's going to be a free agent. It's the same conversation with Bryce Huff, who I, Hope I'm wrong. I know Robert Sala last last week, I think it was, said that Bryce Hoff's a you know an integral part of the team. 
Sure. I, I hope that that's true. I really, really, really do. Um, and I hope he's active on game days and I hope he has a role, but it's a similar situation where, you know, if he's not going to be playing, hitting my mic, if he's not going to be playing, you might as well trade him and get something for him because he's a free agent at the end of the year. I've, I've said this before, Robert Sala. I think he's a good coach. He's not a good liar. And I think that that only that only contributes to that. But uh, one guy that's also on the offensive line that I'm looking at, we've alluded to too, that really surprised me in all the wrong ways, which I remember watching, uh, I think it was Hell's Kitchen and Gordon Ramsay did that, where he's like, you surprised me. And the guy's like, thank you. I do 100% every day. And he goes, you surprised me with how crap you were. And the guy's like, uh, that line is rent free in my head. And I just imagining that guy with Max Mitchell's head photoshopped right onto him because what the hell happened, buddy? I mean, I'm not saying the guy was uh, Orlando Pace or Walter Jones or anybody else uh, at, last season, which he played six games, started five. And I thought for the situation where he came in, where even though he was a pretty athletic tackle in college, he was undersized. Like he was barely over, I think, 290. He didn't really have a great, a lot of great run blocking tape at Louisiana. I thought he did okay. Like I know he gave up some sacks, sure, but I thought – for a very adverse situation early in his career, I liked what he provided. I thought he was solid. I thought he was a pretty good pass protector. I thought he was incredibly athletic for a guy that big. So I was expecting things from Max Mitchell in year two, especially now that there's somebody to light a fire under his ass with Carter Warren coming in, a direct competitor. I'm like, all right, let's see you, Max Mitchell. And boy, is he he cracked the bed so far. I mean, it's been he was playing very poorly, I thought, in the Hall of Fame game. I mean, even against the backup lineman, he was getting moved around quite easily which is, again, the main concern that people had coming out of Louisiana was he didn't really have this, this nastiness, this kick-ass nature that a lot of linemen had to have of, you're not getting past here because I'm this big, strong, tough guy. I didn't see that a ton of Louisiana, and I'm not seeing it now really in camp or at least in the Cleveland game. So I'd imagine, too, I mean, he's a legitimate contender for the right tackle spot if Becton's not in. And if, if this is what you're going to go into the season with, I think there's it's reason to be a little bit concerned. I don't know about alarmed yet. That's very... Serious, but if this keeps going on, I think we could maybe move into alarmed territory. I would say his performance in the preseason game was alarming. I would I would use that word. Uh, I you know it's always difficult to gauge how a player is performing, specifically a trench player is performing in training camp because it's really just like, oh, is the offensive line bad or is the defensive line just really good? You know, Max Mitchell and Billy Turner both had their struggles in training camp, and that was like okay. Maybe Carl Lawson's just great. Maybe Jermaine Johnson's awesome. Maybe Bryce Huff, Will McDonald. Maybe these guys are just great. But then we saw Max Mitchell go out against you know the backups, basically the the second, third, fourth stringers of the Browns on uh, in the Hall of Fame game last Thursday, and he really struggled. I, I mean, take PFF grades for a grain of salt with a grain of salt, but he finished with the lowest run block rate of any offensive lineman in that game uh, on either team on either the Jets or the Browns. He was he was really bad. He was getting pushed around in the run game a ton, as was a lot of the Jets' offensive line, but specifically Max Mitchell had a really, really difficult game. Uh, and that was, I, I would say that's alarming to me because if that's the guy who they hope is going to be their, their week one starting right tackle, because look, you know, they, this coaching staff obviously loves Billy Turner, specifically Nathaniel Hackett loves Billy Turner, but if Max Mitchell came out and played well this summer, the right tackle job was his. Like, they wanted him to earn that job. And he just hasn't. Like, he's just not taken that step. Obviously, the dude was a fourth-round pick last year. He was a developmental tackle who was thrust into an early role that, you know, he wasn't necessarily ready for. But like you said, I do think he held his own um, 
I just, I don't think he's starting caliber. I, I just don't, not at this stage. Hopefully he will be in the future. Maybe it takes him a couple more years. Uh, right now he's not a starting caliber tackle, at least from what we've seen this summer, from what we saw in the preseason, in the first preseason game, it's still early. Maybe he comes out on Saturday and he kicks ass against the Panthers. I have no idea. Um, but right now I, I agree that I'd be alarmed and concerned. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, we've talked a lot of negativity. I think it's it's important to talk a little bit stock up right now about guys who are playing well. And I have a few guys on the list. Like I look, Tony Adams, we've talked about a ton. We talked about Jermaine Johnson a ton. So I don't know if I want to use either of them. I think both of them are, are very clearly having great camps. Tony Adams is likely your week one starting free safety. Jermaine Johnson has worked a ton with the first team defense. And I, you know, he seems primed for a big role this year. I want to talk about, let's see, let's talk about Chaz Surratt. I want to talk about Chaz Sherratt. Let's talk about Chaz Sherratt. I'm a big Chaz Sherratt fan. I really liked him coming out of college. Of course, just a very fun prospect, a former quarterback. Uh, Just dude, dude flies around on the field, hits hard. And as we saw in in that Hard Knocks episode, Sala loves the guy. Like he, He is your classic Robert Sala player. High motor, super athletic, super fast, hits really hard, just just running around on the field. Uh, and I think Chaz Surratt has a real opportunity to not only earn a roster spot, but potentially push for a starting job. And I know they want Jamie and Sherwood in that role. And I think he's probably going to be your week one starting weak side linebacker. Uh, but Chaz Surratt has had a very good summer. Hopefully he's okay because he's still sitting out of practice. I believe it was a – I forget. It was some injury. He got hurt in the preseason game. I forget what it was. I don't. I hope it's not anything major. Um, he hasn't practiced since, but hopefully he's okay. Maybe he's going to be back on the field by Saturday. That would be ideal. Uh, but you know, Hamza Najuddin is now out of the picture. He's he's on the the injured reserve because uh, he got hurt in that game. So really, his competition are a few undrafted guys. I know they brought in Nick Vigil, who has some starting experience. Uh, they signed uh, another linebacker who spent time with the Dolphins. Of course, Zaire Barnes is there. But of from everything we've seen. Chaz, Chaz Surratt, uh, I'm having some t- difficulty saying his name, but Chaz Say Surratt, that five times Surratt. fast. <laughs> Chaz, I like how everyone, is like he has a bunch of double letters in his name. It makes it fun to write. Like Chad, two Zs, two Rs, two Ts. Anyway. Uh, I feel like he's also now the best brother in the in the football family because his brother Sage Surratt is, I believe, a receiver. Right. So That's right. Sage yeah. Surratt. He went uh, Wake Forest, right? Yeah. Was he on the Vikings, I think, for a bit? Well, Chaz was. Chaz I was. think Sage, Sage was too. Helped. The sage as well. Let's let's see. Uh, he uh, well, uh, pro, he never played in the game. No, he was not. Uh, he's never played in the game though. He was not. Actually, they moved him to tight end. That's interesting. Uh, he uh. was with the Lions and then Chargers. Anyway, uh, I think Chaz Surratt right now is your top backup linebacker on the roster. So I hope he is healthy. Uh, and if he is, I think he's gonna he's gonna play a role this season. I think he's an excellent special teams player. He's everything you want in a special teamer. Uh, and as we saw in that preseason game, he can make some plays. Also, shout out Claude and Charles, who is an undrafted guy out of Alcorn State, I believe, uh, HBCU. He had a really good game. I, I was very impressed with what he did. I'm not sure he can do enough to push for a roster spot, but I did want to shout him out because I think he's someone you'd ideally want to keep around in the practice squad. Um, so, you know, shout out to a couple linebackers on the team, even though we're a little, we're down on the linebacker core as a whole, because there's just not a ton of depth. Uh, those are two guys I'm keeping my eye on right now. I think it's easy to forget too. Surratt is not just 
a garden variety undraft a guy or a guy bouncing around between the team. 2021, the Zach Wilson draft, he went 78th overall. Mm-hmm. Among the players that he was drafted above, Amon Ross St. Brown, wow. Trey Smith, Talanoa Hufanga, Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, those are some big, some big names. Both yeah. of the Michael Carters. Big miss by the Vikings, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, big, uh, I mean, yes, but I mean that I mean that shows like the talent that Chaz Surratt has. This guy, sure. I mean, I didn't think he'd go that high. I thought he was kind of like a fourth or fifth round guy, but this is not just like a guy, like just a random lottery ticket. This is a guy who had some big hype as a prospect. Yeah, he's a developmental guy too. Like he's a developmental guy. That's the other thing. I, when did he switch to linebacker? Was it his senior year? Or is is when did he switch? It was early. Twenty seventeen. He was a quarterback, and then I think he switched. Twenty eighteen or nineteen. I think um, it was nineteen. I think he lost the quarterback job, and then he converted. Right. So, so he's he's only been playing linebacker for a few years. You know, it, it takes Sam while. Howell, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UNC. Yeah, it, it takes a while, you know, for for some guys. To obviously, you're switching from quarterback to linebacker, completely different positions. So it's not surprising that it's taken him a little bit. I mean, look at someone like George Fant, right? It took him a while to really find his groove in the NFL. The dude played basketball in college. You know, it, sometimes it just it takes a little bit of time with guys. And I think Chaz Surratt could be one of those players. He's still only 26. He's not old. That's someone that I'm I'm really keeping an eye on this summer. For me, I'm looking at Jeremy Ruckert, and I know I've been kind of like a Jeremy Ruckert. I guess Homer, for lack of a better word. But I'm with you. I'm with I've you. I've said this before the show, Justin. I find it hard to believe they invest the third round pick in Jeremy Ruckert and then just bury him behind two veterans who are not going to move the needle. So I think Ruckert's played really well. I thought that he didn't get a great chance to show his stuff in the uh, you know beforehand, just because with all the tight ends on the roster. Now we got Zach Koontz and a couple other guys, and then of course the quarterback situation before Aaron Rodgers were not very good anyway. So not really the best environment as a tight end to show yourself off, but. Now I could see him maybe competing at one of two roles because not only is he looking at a tight end spot and tight end snaps to the point where I've said this before, I think by the end of the year there is a chance that maybe a guy like a C.J. Uzama can get kicked down the road and then they end up just slotting Ruckert and he's your tight end two behind Tyler Conklin. That would not surprise me one iota. But he's also competing for like a little bit of a fullback, H-backy role with Nick Bauden. I think Bauden is still the favorite for that, but... Nathaniel Hackett has shown that he loves that little wrinkle in his offense. I mean, he used a third-round pick on Josiah DeGuara, who I think is a pretty good comparison for Ruckert stylistically. Obviously, DeGuara had injury problems that kind of hampered him, but I think Ruckert is going to contribute to this team somehow. I don't know how yet, but somehow. I mean, he looks physical. He's moving well. He was always a great blocker because at Ohio State, he wasn't catching a ton of passes because of the offense, so he had to make his name as a blocker. I just think there's so much untapped potential, and the Jets are really doing a disservice to the entire roster if they just let him kind of marinate on the bench again. I think it says a lot that he didn't play in that first preseason game. That mm-hmm. tells me that they have a role in vision for him, whether it is in that, you know, pseudo H-back role or whether it's as an actual tight end. I think he could push Uzama for playing time this season, whether Uzama's traded or not. I don't know, but I think it's definitely feasible that he could push him for that tight end two role at some point in the year. It won't be by week one, but at some point, I, I do think that they have a role for Jeremy Ruckert. He was one of the early standouts from OTAs, and he kind of, I'd say, had a slow start to training camp, but he's slowly been building his way back up there. He had that really nice touchdown uh, catch from, from Aaron Rodgers the other day. So he's working with the first-team offense a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he has a role. Um, I mean, on the Bodden, you know, Zach Kuntz, Ruckert situation, I, I think really quick stock down. I, not, this isn't like, a major stock down, but I think Zach Koontz is fair to put in that role. Obviously a seventh round pick. Also there are undrafted guys with more guaranteed money in their contract than Zach Koontz. So I don't think it's like 
a shock to say this, but I don't think he makes the roster uh, week one. I, I, I would be surprised at this stage if he made the team. He just really hasn't done much of anything. Uh, legitimately, I cannot remember a single report of a catch that he's had. Um, I might be, I might be forgetting something, might be mistaken, but I just, I haven't seen much from him. Uh, he was all right on special teams in in the in the first preseason game. Um, and I think that that's a role where, you know, he's a super athletic dude. He's really big. I could see him finding a role on special teams and maybe they like him enough on specials to keep him on the roster. Cause that, that really comes down to it. When you're looking at those 50, 51, 52, 53, those back at the end, back of the roster, roster spots, you really just need to be able to play special teams. So if they trust Kuntz enough on special teams, maybe he does sneak onto the roster. But I do know they like Kenny Ebo on special teams because he's made the roster the last couple of years because of that. Uh, and obviously they seem to like Nick Bodden because they've been running him with the first team offense a ton at fullback. Obviously it's, you know, it, it's not uncommon in training camp to see them kind of just work those, those generic base sets, which often include a fullback. So I'm not shocked that he's getting a ton of work, but like you said, Hackett does have a history of using those, those fullback H back hybrids. So if they don't trust anybody else in that role, it might be bought in spot. But right now, I think they're carrying three tight ends. And then the fourth guy is either Yaboa or Bodden uh, as that like fourth tight end slash fullback. Maybe Coons can push for a roster spot if he has a couple of good games in the preseason. Obviously, you don't want to lose him. You did spend a seventh round pick on him, but I think it's most likely that they try and sneak him onto the practice squad. And if he gets there, great. If he doesn't, that sucks because uh, obviously very fun prospect. Uh, but I, I would say stock down for him just because he hasn't really, really done that much this summer. So before we move on to our final topic, I believe, Justin, don't you have uh, something to tell us from our friends over at DraftKings? I do. I do. A little word from our buddies over at DraftKings. Hey, Jets fans, you sign up for DraftKings yet? If you are a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after just following these three steps. Create an account, deposit, and then wager $5 in any sport. Best part is whether you wait, whether your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive the $150 in bonus bets. What do you have to do? All you have to do is use the code FSBETS, that's F-S-B-E-T-S, when you sign up. Best part is using our code FSBETS not only gets you the bonus, but it also supports the podcast that helps us out. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code FSBETS, that's F-S-B-E-T-S, on DraftKings to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. We really appreciate it if you guys help us out. If you want to bet, you know, bet on some 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 sports, use some DraftKings. Definitely go for it. Or if you're really into DraftKings, you can bet on preseason games like the Jets yeah, Panthers yeah. preseason. I guess the official start of preseason. I guess because the Jets have one extra game. Oh, so, well, yeah. I, I know a lot of Jets fans were pretty upset because I'm pretty sure the over in the over for the Jets uh, in that last game was 17 points, and they got or it was 16 and a half. Uh, and then the Jets scored 16. Uh, and so that was that more was more responsibly children. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> moving on to Jets versus Carolina uh, should be kind of an interesting game, especially because the Panthers are going to unveil Bryce Young, the number one overall pick who was still my quarterback three in the draft, but he went number one overall. I had Stroud one and then Anthony Richardson two. But you know what? Bryce sure. Young, I still think he's going to be a pretty good player. He's very small, but a very good playmaker. I've heard glowing reviews about him in camp. I heard he's making a ton of accurate passes against a very good Jets defense. So let's see what it's like when live bullets are flying. So uh, if you're looking for one group to watch in this game, I think it's going to be, again, the defensive line. Uh, They're going to go play. I don't know how long the stars are going to play for Carolina, but I know that they retain most of their starting offensive line from last year, including both Ikemekwanu, who was Jets Twitter's favorite for a very long time until Sauce Gardner came around. 
Uh, he's there. Taylor Moten is there. They have a couple guys, uh, Bradley Bozeman, the center. Guys that I think could be fun to watch the Jets go up against, uh, specifically Will McDonald, because I think Will McDonald is slowly starting to win over hearts and minds. Uh, even though he's with the second team, uh, I thought he played very well against the Browns. Even that first play where nobody blocked him and he ran right to the guy. I mean, that was just a busted play, but three tackles. He had a great spin move and pressure on Dorian Thompson Robinson that forced an errant throw. And that's kind of what I expected to see out of him. He's in a more natural role, as we talked about until we're blue in the face. He's not playing with his hand in the dirt inside anymore. He's just free to run at the quarterback and use his speed. And I think the results are pretty good so far, both in training camp and uh, and uh, on the field. So I think that if he, if he gets matched up against a Quanu or a guy like Moten, who he's going to have to go against pretty regularly, guys of that caliber in the NFL, we can maybe start to see kind of how refined he is and how much he's going to contribute, I think, in year one. I'm really interested to see just who the Jets play in this game because I want to, I imagine they're going to play some starters, right? They didn't play him at all in the, in the first preseason game, but that was basically a glorified scrimmage. Uh, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers won't play in the game. It will likely be Zach Wilson starting. Uh, we will, I'm sure, see Bryce Young starting for Carolina. I don't know if they've officially made announced that, but I imagine that's going to be the case. I, I think so, they did. I think they said he's going to play. There you go. I mean, it was going to happen regardless. Uh, it's funny. I'm looking at like the Panthers roster. They have a ton of former Jets, which I feel like some of that is like, left over from the past regime but they they have a ton there like not even just guys like frankie lubu i didn't know henry anderson was on the panthers now that's fine and they had darnold in the past so. obviously they had yeah. darnold they had robbie chosen chosen anderson robbie <laughs> whatever yeah <laughs> the artist formerly known as robbie anderson they had him too but like also eddie pinero is their kicker so that's a fun blast from the past this is, this is he was on bad. the jets yeah eddie pinero was the was the the yeah he was there the kicker Oh, was that after Corey the Corey Vedvik game? Isn't that when they got him? No, he was recent. He was um um 2021. They got Oh, him. you're right. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't it's know funny. why I don't know why I thought that was Zerline for some reason. I thought that he was a year early. For, for those who do the Immaculate Grid game, the Jets Panthers is one of the the squares today. So I just listed. There you go. You got you got a few there. You got a few. Uh I I use Trenton Cannon cuz I was I, I think I used Chris Jenkins, which got like 2%. Ooh, so. That's good. Trenton Cannon I think was point three or something uh, i think the only people that put that in were you and trenton cannon <laughs> that's probably true um but yeah I, honestly i i think and we say this every time but i'm really excited to just see the trenches really the, the battle between the trenches you talked about it a little bit i'm interested to see kind of like how the offensive line holds up because the panthers have a really good and deep uh uh pass rush there their front seven is really really talented it's not just the brian burns out there it's guys like frankie louvu who is is a very talented player they have Yatur uh gross matos they they just signed uh justin houston as well he's there too obviously Derek brown is a phenomenal player so i really want to see how that offensive line holds up because i imagine we're going to see some starters out there i imagine this is really be our first look at somewhat of the jet starting offensive line in an actual game because i'm sure you know dwayne brown will be playing I imagine they're going to play both Tomlinson and Vera Tucker at least for a series or two. Probably the same goes for McGovern. Uh, it'll be really kind of a first look at, at what that offensive line might look like come week one. So I just I want to see if they can if they can uh, uh, you know hold up and hold their own because if they don't, those alarms are going to start going off again because people are going to be very concerned. Uh, shout out Brian and Chad who also says that Lachlan Edwards. Uh, punted for a few times with the Panthers in 2021. That is true. As the only team I believe he actually played for after the Jets. I'm pretty sure he signed with like the Bills. I think he only punted 
uh, for the Panthers. It's a bunch. Like yeah, when that wasn't Denzel Mims linked to them for the longest time. He was obviously he didn't end up going there, but yeah. like they they that like Matt Rule had like an obsession with Jets. Obviously, you know he interviewed for the Jets job too, but like they brought in so many former Jets. And there's definitely others I'm not even thinking of right now that were there. Ju- Julian Stanford, that's another one. Linebacker, he played in Carolina as well. Uh, Jeez, that pipeline runs deep. I- I'm excited. Mostly, I don't know if Tipman's going to play Derek Brown, but if he does. Oof. And he holds his own against Derek Brown. I think that might be that might knock off some of the Wes Schweitzer uh, talk. But if we're going back to the offense as a whole, like Carolina, for as easy as they were to make fun of in the last couple of years because of Matt Rule being weird and the whole quarterback kind of musical chairs in and out thing they were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the defense in totality is pretty sharp. I mean, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, obviously some of the pass rushers out there, like they got guys on that defense. Yeah. I mean, they almost won the division. <laughs> like they were in it with all those. I think Baker Mayfield started six, Sam Darnold started six, PJ Walker started five. You mm-hmm. can't have more technically, uh, mathematically, you can't have more quarterback instability than that in a 17 game season. Well, sort of. The Jets kind of did. Yeah, I mean, unless you start <laughs> one guy every 17 games, but I mean, yeah. for the th- of three quarterbacks, you can't get more messy than that. True. And they still were winning games. Sam Darnold went four and two, or they yeah. went four and two with Sam Darnold. So. If the Jets' offense as a whole plays well against Carolina, irrespective of how Bryce Young does, just no turnovers, couple long drives, that's all I need to see. And then I'm like, all right, the Hackett offense is is clicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, I think – Brian Chad asked if Lakin is healthy enough to play. He did practice yesterday. I believe he practiced today. So I imagine he's playing. I, I just wanted to get to that. I didn't want to leave a, a you know a cliffhanger. To, leave uh, a fan hanging. All right. So to Lakin, my, to my knowledge, he is healthy and ready to play because he did practice. So I'm sure – I, I think he's okay. So while you look up Lakin Tomlinson injury reports, you could also be listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are over there. We are on TikTok at the Jet Press. We are on YouTube at the Jet Press. Go and check us out there. Obviously, head to thejetpress.com to find our written words for your ears and your your ears, your eyes. <laughs> you got it. You got there. Read the audio. Listen to the audio playback, and then you can get the ear version of it. This is for your ears here. So now that I have completely bungled my way through my sign-off, Justin, please redeem us with a better sign-off. I think you did a great job. Good, good work. That was, that was I, good. I didn't know the difference between eyes and ears, man. I mean, they yeah. teach you that six, seven. You, you figured it out eventually. Um, but yeah, Eddie, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We likely won't be streaming this Saturday before or after the game. We'll see. Probably not like we did last time, but definitely at least during the regular season, expect some, some weekly streams on game days. I think we can, we could probably say that uh, Yeah, pretty firmly because it's, it's always fun to do that. Uh, also check it, keep it, keep an eye out for some future guests, the jets that might be coming out. It's been a few, few days since those have come out. I don't know if you guys even know that, but, Look at our YouTube shorts. Look at our TikToks. We have a bunch of guests, the Jets in there. They're very fun. We did a few of them on the podcast. Uh, I think that the shorts are, are, are really good. And hopefully we do better in the future because we missed a few of them. Anyway, <laughs> that all being said, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, notification bell, follow, all that stuff. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you folks next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.